0: The Marketing Results Club presents Alex Sharp on the trends transforming B2B marketing. Alex Sharp is a management consultant who makes businesses stronger and people's lives better by leveraging technology, strategy, process, and organizational change. In this interview, he discusses the impact of digital transformation on content, automation, privacy and trust here's what he had to say i've worked with a fair amount of cmos in this space
1: and you know mostly they have some really good ideas conceptually where they seem to be challenged is in the execution you know so the execution phase is something that they usually run into and i and i think there's there's a series of basic decisions you need to make first thing is you need to decide whether you're b2b or b2c Um, there's a lot of tactics that are used in one or the other that don't work in both. So if you're B2B, you focus on that. If you're B2C, you focus on that. It sounds kind of simple, but I'm seeing people make that mistake fairly consistently. The um, other thing that I see happening a fair amount is there's a focus on the, the digital space, but they forget that whoever they're working with is still interested in a multi-channel strategy. So when you focus on, you know, once you have your customer in mind and you start putting your, your digital in place and you start looking at, at how you're going to roll it out and all that, keep in mind that this is still a multi-channel world. And that, actually has to transcend through the entire process, right? So think about all the different ways your your target market communicates with you and ensuring that there is a holistic view of the customer and that you understand the customer journey across all the channels. I've seen that happen. The other one that I've seen is global is not really one size fits all global is really a collection of small markets so even though you may be thinking europe or asia each country each region inside of a a country is very very different so the way you would position yourself and say france is very different than how you would position yourself and say estonia so even though they're on the same continent they work a little differently Then I also find that um, there's a number of really exciting trends, right? So you have the globalization piece of, you know, global is really a collection of small markets. Because of the technology, what we're also seeing is you can get into micro markets. And with a micro market, you can actually, um, you're no longer focused on the traditional metrics, you can actually look into um, relevant behaviors and start targeting based on behaviors. So what ad, the way content is presented, what channels, how you do your follow-up, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there's a lot of famous examples of this. Um, for better or worse, it's only the, the ones that cause the most consternation uh, um, are the ones that get in the news, like the target situation where Target was um, sending new mother kind of information to a teenage girl, the father gets all upset, and they found out that based on her buying behavior, they did find out that she was pregnant before her father did. But those kind of things, where looking at the the buying behavior and targeting accordingly across all the channels uh, is definitely a winning strategy. And never forget that Global is actually a collection of small markets. The um, other thing that you'll see happening a lot in this space, and again, you know, I'm living through this with clients, so I get to see cross industries and, you know, cross strategies. I get to view it a little differently. Um, The way we deliver content is changing. And you can see on the buyer side, the consumer side, again, whether it's B2B or B2C, that straight old text is starting to get old and dated you know the visuals are great but it's more and more about animation and video that is definitely catching on in a big way so when we look at attach rates and the like when it includes video or something similar it's much much higher the other thing that i'm seeing a lot of is customers themselves again whether it's a a B2B or B2C, the person you're targeting is expecting more and more automation. So they're expecting that they could go onto a website, basically ask, you know, plain language kind of questions instead of having to do searching and seeing, you know, kind of getting the results or at least some recommendations. The other thing that seems to be catching on a lot are bots, particularly around customer service. And again, that could be customer service in a B2B or a B2C scenario. So in the old days when you would go online, maybe you'd send an email or you'd pick up the phone and call a call center. Instead of doing that, the chat function, where you're actually chatting with a machine, uh, that's catching on. It's getting a lot of really you know, high levels of reception um, from your target market. The interesting thing about that is you see some firms, what they're doing is they're using the bot with automation behind it to start the chat. And then when you start running into exceptions or, you know, more refined conversations, it just folds in pretty seamlessly to a human. Um, About a year ago, I saw a briefing by um, TD Ameritrade in that space and they're having fantastic results. I haven't kept up on what they're doing. I probably should, but it was really very, very impressive. Um, the other thing on the the customer outreach, I'd say you got to keep in mind is privacy. Privacy and trust, which are two separate things. Uh, they get confused, but they're actually two separate things. In that space, when anybody's working online, I think there's a A recognition these days that somebody is using your data somehow Um, but you want to know about it you want them to be open about it you also want to know that they're doing everything they can to protect the breach because you don't want to go online to buy something from an e-commerce site only to find out that all your credit card information was compromised by some third party that was sold your data Um, that is that is definitely a big thing. And when those events happen, the reputational risk to to the organization is, it's huge. It's very, very huge. Now, looking down the road a little more, there's a, an emerging term that the more I hear it, the more I like. It's called digital emissions. And it's the idea that everything we do day in and day out whether we're at home, in our car, using our phone, in a playground, whatever, we are creating a digital footprint with digital emissions. And that can be used for, you know, both on the the good side and the dark side. So let me give an example where this has come up recently. With the pandemic that we're all dealing with, one of the big issues is understanding where somebody's been and where they may have contracted and then who, who they may have affected. So I've heard some anecdotal um, stories that out of like South Korea, what they did is they used digital emissions by actually tracking cell phones to find out who may or may not have been affected. And they use that to target their, their treatments and their diagnosis. I think you're going to see these uh, this idea of digital emissions growing in the next couple of years, and that again is going to feed into the privacy and trust issues that that we're all wrestling with.
0: Who's going to draw the line though on what's what what, people, what companies can access and what they can't? That 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 seems like a big question to me. It's a huge question, and
1: the the interesting. Probably the most interesting case for that is the United States. So let me take a step back a little. If you look at what's gone on globally, you have GDPR, which was created by the European Union. And some of the countries inside of Europe don't follow the, you know, that standard because they're not part of, um, part of the EU. There's a different standard coming out of South America. There's a lot of these standards, but because of the way they work, and the way their structure is and the way their culture is, they get to kind of set those standards. In the United States, there is no federal standard. Now, we can, there's a large constitutional argument that I'm not going to get involved in. What I will say is the word privacy never exists in the Constitution. Justice Brandeis made the argument that it's actually embodied in a number of the amendments but because it's not clear there is there is a question about whether the federal government should be setting privacy standards so if you look at what's happened privacy standards have been set at the state level and there's three states that have privacy standards this kind of blows my mind maine nevada california the last time i checked 16 additional states had Um, privacy standards in the works now because that can't be complicated enough by the way every one of these states their argument is that even though it only covers their citizens it doesn't matter where the citizen is residing or where the data is so if you have a california citizen living in maryland using a system in virginia the argument has been made that that system And that data is regulated by the state of California. Complicated. On top of that, breach standards are different. Every state in the the union, all 50 states, has a different breach standard. So if a breach occurs and say, Florida, and it's got people in every one of the 50 states involved, the reporting requirements to each one of those states is disparate. So... At the end of the day everybody agrees that privacy is owned by the citizen but once the information is turned over how it's handled from that point on is a question because if the data is it's made anonymous and or it's rolled up into something generic that can be sold as the company's data; it can be monetized in different ways. Now, these are very, very complex issues, but we're talking about them in, in broad terms. And uh, I, I am not an attorney, and I don't pretend to be, but I deal with a lot of companies trying to work their way through this. It, it's a very complicated, confusing mass.
0: Can you see how this will affect marketers?
1: Oh God, yes. They don't know what they're doing. They, they don't know what to do, and they don't know how to do it. Right. They want to collect data because they want to analyze the data, use it to create these target markets. Simple. Right. They want to analyze their customers behavior. They want to look at the heuristics and then they want to they want to target um, based on on that. And it just it's just very, very confusing. The other side of it is here's here's a question for you. Um it's come up probably a dozen times in the past couple of years, and I don't think anybody's ever, ever answered it. So, a marketer puts a new online presence together, runs a campaign. That campaign requires a individual user to enter some data. That data then gets compromised. Whose responsibility was it to protect that data? Is it a CMO's job? Is it IT's job? Is it legals? Whose responsibility is it? And CMOs are let's face it, they have a they have a certain job to do, but this isn't their expertise. So their team could be out taking the data that's collected, just operating in good faith, analyzing it, working with it, repositioning data, doing some, you know, changing a go-to-market strategy redoing some segmentation you know thinking everything's fine then one
0: day something happens and all of a sudden it's caused a big problem so the risk is they can run into all these legal entanglements the facebook story there you go that's perfect example
1: um i usually use google because so many companies out there right now are using google or google tools they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. There's no way for them to know. But as far as users concerned, they gave the information to company X. What company X did behind the scenes, who knows? If you're a CMO, it's a beautiful time because the amount of data and the technology to analyze that data is more available than ever. The price is coming down. The efficiency is going up. It's amazing. So you can actually run campaigns and test them within days or weeks that normally would
0: have taken, you know, months or years. Thanks for listening to this episode of the marketing results club podcast. I'm Derek little editor in chief and host of the trailblazer virtual summit series for B2B marketers launching in fall 2020. This free event features experts speaking on a wide range of topics, including how B2B marketers can adapt to the new era of social distancing. If you'd like to participate as a speaker, please visit the virtual summit page at marketingresults.club to learn more.